0: this time and speak through me. Everything needs to be spoken. Lord, I thank you, Father, by the Spirit, even now, to just help move upon every person that's going to be hearing and watching this to give you our best year, our full attention, our focus to get locked in, and that we're not distracted, but we're good soil, and that we would have anointed eyes and ears of the Spirit. I thank you for speaking through me. Your Word is living seeds of truth, sown into good soil, watered by the Spirit. will take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. And the winds of your spirit carry this where it needs to go. It's gonna be like light penetrating darkness, or like a washing of the water of the word. And Lord, everything will be accomplished in it through this time, Lord, as your word will not return void, but go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. Lord, we submit it unto God, we resist the devil, we must flee, we bind anything that would try to hinder, distract, and resist and oppress, or in any way come against this meeting, or those here, those that are gonna be watching or listening or any place it's supposed to go and what it's supposed to accomplish, anything of the enemy trying to hinder, we command it to be bound in Jesus' name and back off right now, out. And Lord, I thank you for your angels clearing all that out. And Lord, everything will be accomplished that you will be done. We stand on that, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so tonight we're looking at the subject of the occult. In part one, we dealt with the origins of Lucifer. He's the Caribbean, his role, his ultimate fall, the angels that fell with him. Last week we dealt with demonology. We dealt with the origin of demonic spirits and different theories about where they come from. Of course, the Nephilim is is one theory. Um, Anyway, and then tonight we're going to deal more with the occult. So it's kind of systematically dealing with this. If you miss the last two weeks, you'll probably need to go back and listen to it to really understand everything. But. I want to deal with the occult because this is something that I believe is already uh, very pervasive in our culture, but I think it's only going to continue to get worse as the coming of the Lord draws near, and so we're going to look at this tonight, okay? All right, so um, let me look at Genesis 10, verse 6, and then I'm going to talk about different aspects of the occult And let's just see how this flows tonight. So starting with Genesis chapter 10, verse 6. Now, we know this story. I'm picking up last week. We dealt with the flood of Noah. And then after Noah, uh, you know, the flood ended and subsided and him and his sons came out of the ark. We know that he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the one. I want you to see this here. It's important. Sometimes we go over like things like this as genealogy, and we just kind of go over it. But the sons of Ham were Cush, and that's down by uh, to the left of Africa. Okay, Cush, and put in Libya that area. And Mizraim is an ancient name for Egypt. So that's where the Egyptians came from. And then his other son, Canaan. And from Canaan came all the Canaanite tribes. Now, out of the three, Noah spoke a blessing over Shem, and he spoke somewhat of a blessing over Japheth, but he actually spoke negatively over Ham, that would he, he would be subservient. And it's interesting that Ham, it's his descendants are the ones <clears throat> through whom, that the devil tried to bring back uh, the world that was flooded, basically. Now, I'm going to show you that. But it was really through the sons of Ham came the witchcraft, the occult, and all of that came in through this group. In fact, the Canaanites were so exceedingly wicked, and it allowed the Nephilim, again, to that whole system to take place in Canaan, that God used Joshua and the Israelites to come in and to begin to destroy all of that evil that was there. So it goes on to say in verse 7, the sons of Cush were Sheba, and then it gives some more names there. But I want you to notice verse 8, now Cush fathered Nimrod. All right. This is very important, actually, in Scripture, because Nimrod, it says he became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. It became a saying in the earth. So, Nimrod, whose father was Cush, whose grandfather was Ham, okay? Nimrod was basically an exceedingly evil man. And he was the one that, in many ways, was a picture and type of the Antichrist one day to come. Nimrod became a mighty one, a Giborim in Hebrew. And so how did this happen? Well, we don't know for sure, but it seems to indicate in the Hebrew that it's almost like a Nephilim type of situation. He became something. He so I wonder if Nimrod, because there's the reasons that I'm speculating about this, I'm wondering if Nimrod didn't begin to move into um, the occult and began to participate in some really dark satanic rituals of some kind, where there was bloodshed, et cetera. Nimrod was the one, and I believe through the, that type of activity, in my opinion, something happened that opened up in his life, and something entered him that made him become a mighty one. I wonder if he wasn't trying to perform some kind of a ritual to have like um, a spirit of the Nephilim or something come into his life to make him mighty. But Nimrod was the one that was used of the devil to try to build this Tower of Babel and to unite the world under his tyranny. People were afraid of him. And I'll just tell you some things. So Nimrod, we wonder about the Tower of Babel because the Bible just mentions it kind of briefly, but was the motive in the Tower of Babel something to this effect that God had said to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and yet you had a group of people that were rebelling against that and saying, no, we're going to stay here together instead of being fruitful, multiplying, and filling the earth. They were kind of consolidating there. That's one thing. Secondly, as they were building this tower, Some have speculated about this. Were they trying to, in some vain attempt, to maybe think in their mind that they could ascend up and kind of like, in Isaiah talked about Lucifer said, I will ascend and I will be like the most high and I want to sit in the throne of the one. Were they trying to, uh, in a weird way, kind of dethrone God, set themselves up as God? I don't know, but... Also, the question is this, were they trying to, and I do believe there's something to this, were they trying to recreate the scenario that had happened back before where the watchers, the fallen angels, came down on Mount Hermon and began to take wives into themselves and began to fill the earth with the Nephilim. Were they trying to build something and then through that, do ritualistic activity, kind of open up something in the spirit realm and bring those those fallen angels back and reinstitute this again, you see? I wonder about that. And it's interesting, Satan is always trying to pervert things. In the Bible, the Bible says Satan walked among the fiery stones in heaven. There is some kind of a mountain of God that goes up and at the top, There is some type of like a tabernacle of Moses or a temple that has an outer court, a holy place, a holy of holies. In the holy of holies, God's throne is there. And Satan ministered in that realm, okay? Isn't it interesting that on the earth, very satanic things took place on structures that some of them are very ancient that had some kind of a trapezoid type of shape. Are you following me? Um, Pyramids, ziggurats, things that have been built, mounds, these type of high places that have been built, and on them there's this dark ritualistic type activity. See, Satan takes, it's, it's it's an act of not only rebellion, but it's an act of blasphemy. Satan will take things that he knows is in heaven, and then he'll replicate that on the earth, in the most perverted way, unto him. Is this making sense? So the Tower of Babel was probably some kind of like a ziggurat, some type of a pyramidal trapezoid type of shape thing that was there for ritualistic purposes, to open up some kind of a spiritual doorway, a portal, bring those fallen angels back, and reinstitute that again. Now, Also, here's another question about the Tower of Babel. We know that God flooded the earth and he eradicated all of the Nephilim. And it's possible that only Noah and his sons and their wives were the only ones left that weren't polluted by that. Now, were they also trying to build a tower that maybe the foundation would be so wide that it could go up high enough that in their mind they're thinking, well, if God sends another flood, we'll be able to be above that. Regardless of whatever was going on, we can only speculate. But God did say that what they were trying to do, because they were unified, they would have been able to accomplish it. I think that probably they were trying to bring back the watchers, the fallen angels, and trying to reinstitute that again. And God saw that they were going to be successful if he didn't intervene. And so he came down and confused them and scattered them, okay? And Nimrod, here's something interesting too. There was this wisdom that this, the book of Enoch talks about this stuff, that these fallen angels brought this intelligence and this information to mankind that they did not have. And so there were things specifically, it talked about forging metals. It talked about understanding astronomy and astrology and cycles of like moons and stuff like that, the cycle, 18.6 year moon cycle. There were things that they learned and they, they built these sites of worship where human sacrifice was saved, but they built it all over the world, different sites that were connected to these things in the heavens. Um, astrological type things in astronomy, and not only that, but it was no doubt worship to the fallen angels and worship to their demigod children, the Nephilim. Is this making sense? And it—if you look at maps now with Google Maps, you can see that these sites are like somehow over thousands of miles. There's direct lines, even with the curvature of the earth connecting them all over the all over the world. And there was some type of a network that was going on. Nimrod, I believe, it just just my opinion. I, I could be wrong. The Bible isn't clear about this, but I believe he did some kind of a satanic ritual and and all that. But he did something to have something come in and possess him that he became powerful. He became mighty. And he was trying, I believe, this is my opinion, I believe he was trying to get those angels back, even though those specific ones, Enoch said, are bound under the earth. But he was trying to get more of them to come. And also, hear what I'm saying, he was trying to bring back the knowledge, the information. Now, This is just my opinion about this, but I believe that these fallen angels brought to humanity knowledge, forbidden knowledge, that we would say today we would call this the occult. I believe that these fallen angels brought to them a religious system of worship and power that we would call today witchcraft. And this basically was what was being practiced all over the earth you got to understand through the nephilim they set up structures of tyranny over all the cities all over the world and basically this enslaved humanity and the entire world would have been polluted with this occult power and occult activity and that's what these ritualistic sites were about and Nimrod was trying to bring all of that back. He wanted to bring back the knowledge of the occult. And as he, was lear- as he was trying to bring all this back, God came down, scattered him, and it hindered. But it created in the world among the those that pursue knowledge of the occult, the word occult means hidden, and there's people that one of the reasons they really get into the occult is they're fascinated to try to get some type of esoteric knowledge that they don't currently have. And not only that, but if you really look into this and you and you study what are people, they're, they're trying to learn this and learn that and gain this information and go through this ritual and that and that, ultimately, when you get down to the end of it, what they're trying to do is they're trying to be their own god And they're trying to find some type of a path of eternal life outside of God. But they also want to control life. They want to be in control of of things that's out of their control. So there's there's a sense of of fallen humanity that when God put man in the garden, the garden was beautiful and everything uh, just flourished. And then God comes along and says, look, Because you sin, the earth earth, now, the ground is going to be like thorns and thistles by the sweat of your brow, and and there became wars, and and, and people started struggling, so what? The human race wants to have this sense of feeling like they're in control of the fact that through some kind of a ritual, they could make it maybe rain, for example, and make their crops flourish, And, and as they go out to hunt, they would make the hunt be successful, and whenever people are trying to come against them that intend to do them harm, they could curse them and defeat their enemies. So it's, a, it's something that gives people a false sense of being in control of their life, that if I learn this knowledge and I gain this power, somehow I can, I can have uh, you know the health that I want or the financial provision in my life that I need or I can get this and I can, I can be successful over here and I can conquer in this area. Do you see? It's almost like the worldwide religion of the Nephilim, but even to this day, if you look back at ancient civilizations all over the world, it's basically the religion of fallen man. And Nimrod was trying to bring this back. And I'll tell you some things. I've read some scriptures, like I've read... um, writings that are extra-biblical writings, and um, so you always have to take them like Enoch with a grain of salt. They you know, some It may be accurate. It may not in some places. It's just historical, okay? You judge everything by the Bible. If it ever goes against the Bible, you throw it out, okay? All that's real clear. We dealt with that last week, but in um, some extra-biblical writings, uh, Jewish writings in particular, it says that Nimrod was basically the, the supreme leader when Abraham was born, and as he grew up in the Ur Chaldees. And in these writings, it says that Nimrod knew that there was something about Abraham that was different. There was something about his family that was different, and he was threatened by it. And so he had his men capture Abraham and his brother, and he was going to put them to death. And so he threw them into basically a fiery furnace and Abraham supernaturally was protected and escaped, but his brother died, and that's why Abraham felt that he needed to take care of Lot, because he somewhat blamed himself a little bit for his brother's death. That's interesting, isn't it? Could be true, and then Abraham, when he escaped Nimrod, he had to go into hiding, and back in those days, people lived a long time. Remember, we talked about this, and this guy named, uh, remember Shem, Ham, and Japheth? Well, Shem was Noah's son who was the righteous one. And Shem also, according to Jewish writings, is the same guy, Melchizedek, which that could be true. And so Abraham fled Nimrod, and he found his way to Shem, and he stayed with him, and Shem began to teach him about the one true God, the creator, and how to know him. And because Abraham stayed with Shem, Abraham developed a hunger for God to know God. And eventually he went back to his father's house. And they moved. They moved out of the Ur Chaldees. And maybe it was because of that they were afraid of Nimrod. It doesn't say. But God appeared to Abram. We know the story. And told him, I want you to leave your father's house and go to the land I'll show you, which ended up being the land of Canaan. And I'll give that land to you and your descendants. So I'm just giving you some historical information that may be true, it may not, but I don't doubt that there's probably something to it. Nimrod was a very evil man, most likely demon-possessed, and most likely an occultist. And no doubt that he would have had a problem with Abraham, and I believe that Satan was still looking for some type of a Messiah to come through the human race, And I wonder if Satan thought to himself, could it be Abraham? I better stir up Nimrod to try to kill him. Do you see what I'm saying? It's possible. could have happened. So, but regardless of all that, I'm just giving you information. But Nimrod is a picture and type of the Antichrist to come. And just like Nimrod kind of gathered the earth together under like a one-world government and a one-world religion of his day, so will the Antichrist in the days to come. Nimrod also built up Babel, Babylon, and so will the Antichrist in the land of Shinar. Remember that because you see that throughout the Bible. The land of Shinar is synonymous with Babel, Babylon, okay? And um, from that land, he went to Assyria. And look at this. It's almost like everything he touched, he goes to Assyria. Assyria became a great enemy of Israel. And what did he build there? Nineveh. And that it was from that place that much persecution came against the Jews. Anyway, and then it talks about Mizraim, which was Egypt, uh, fathered these different children. And out of them also came the Philistines. So I'm just showing you that it was from the descendants of Ham came all those that were practitioners of witchcraft, the occult, the dark arts. They It was from the, those bloodlines that came Egypt and all the powerful sorcery that went on in Egypt. And even to this day, in that part of the world down in Africa, there's still a lot of witchcraft. And that's what um, Joshua was going in to deal with in the land of Canaan was all kinds of the Nephilim tribes. They were basically beginning in the land of Canaan to try to reinstitute again what was there before the flood. The giants were there. They had built all kinds of, of worship sites to Baal, and they had built up these sacrificial systems that I'm sure we can see involved bloodshed, human sacrifice, all the different things that were there, all that evil, all that witchcraft, all the perversions, and God sent Joshua in to destroy it. Does it make a little bit more sense now as to why God told Abraham, I want to show you this land? It won't happen in your day. Your descendants will be in prison for 400 years, but I'll bring them out, bring them back here, because the sins of the Amorites and others have not reached its fulfillment yet, its fullness yet but do you know this? I will bring them out, and they will come here. And does it not make more sense now as to why God was executing his judgment on the land of Canaan to put a stop to something? Do you see? And so a lot of times people read this, they don't really understand what was going on here. God came down, and he stopped Nimrod from being able to do what he wanted to do by scattering and then it kind of moved over to the land of Canaan and started trying to come up there and God sends Joshua in there and puts a stop to it again. So I believe, this is just my opinion, I believe that what we know is the occult actually goes back to the Nephilim and Nimrod tried to bring it back again to the human race. You know, there's some interesting things about Nimrod as well. It was in that ancient land of, of Sumer and Shinar that he lived. And, okay, Nimrod had a wife, Semiramis. And they believe, they worshiped Nimrod like a god, This all these people that were followers of him. And when he died, she was pregnant with his son, Tammuz. And she said, because she wanted to retain power, she said, this in my womb is actually Nimrod being reincarnated. And isn't it weird that later on you read, I believe in Jeremiah, but you can look it up, that the people of Israel still had this weird occult practice where they were weeping for Tammuz. That has its origins back in this occult practices that goes back to Nimrod. So is the Baal worship. You see, all of that that structure of Baal worship and the Asherah, let me tell you something that's also I find interesting, is that, We know from the garden that God told the devil that from the seed of the woman will come, basically, I'm paraphrasing, the Messiah. You'll strike at his heel, but he'll crush your head. And so the devil was looking for Messiah. That's why Cain murdered Abel. The devil stirred him up. He thought, could it be this Abel guy? Could he possibly be? And they had him killed. Down through the ages, you could see how Satan was trying to find, could this be the Messiah and try to kill him? And isn't it interesting that we know that eventually God chose Mary and the Holy Spirit came upon her life and that she was going to give birth to a miraculous son, okay? Do you know, have you not noticed that down through the ages, these mystery cults have almost always had some type of a male, female, and then like a, some type of miracle child, You have Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz, but what about Isis and Osiris? What about Baal and Asherah? You see what I'm saying? All down through the ages, there's a male, female. You know what Satan was trying to do? Bring confusion. He's trying to muddy the waters. He's trying to cause people to not understand what God was really trying to do. Is this making sense? And even when the Son of God actually did come, then you have forms of... Uh, of like hybrid forms of Christianity that are not really true biblical Christianity that still bring a lot of muddying of the waters and confusion there by, for example, exalting Mary above Jesus. And so one more thing, and I'm, we're gonna look at the occult. All over the world, there's been this, uh, my, it's like a mystery cults. And people that are that are looking, they're trying to look through and find the knowledge that came to the human race, that came to the Nephilim during those days that was lost. They've been in search of trying to get this information. And they search through all kinds of ancient occult writings, and they try to go back and study things, and they get a little bit of knowledge from this group, because see, when the Tower of Babel happened, that knowledge was dispersed among the nations, So They try to go over here and get this knowledge and that knowledge and piece it all together. And it's all a great deception because truth is only found in Jesus Christ. And so people are trying to find some type of hidden knowledge and some type of a power. And many times, ultimately, some type of immortality. In the days to come, one of the things that's going on Jesus predicted as it was in the days of Noah, it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's one of the reasons why I'm talking about all this stuff that that few will talk about, about the fall loose for demonology, the pre-flood world and all this. Why am I talking about it? Well, there's several reasons. The Bible says for us to expose it, but also because Jesus said it would be like that before he comes. And so we're seeing different things that are emerging in our day. Just like Nimrod, you see uh, in the Nephilim before him, you see this one world government trying to form. One world, almost like a one world religious system of some kind. Things are coming together. But some of the aspects of Noah's day, you see great violence. Are we seeing an increase of violence? I believe so. It says, you we see there that there had to be a lot of witchcraft and occult practices. Are we seeing a rise of the occult? I believe we are. And also what's concerning is that the Nephilim, now I'm not going to spend long on this because last week we talked in depth about it, the fallen angel coming together with humanity creating a hybrid. So it was beings that were not sanctioned by God to ever exist these are beings that were half or part angel part human chimera and Enoch said even that angels sinned with animals and created these weird chimera beings now isn't it interesting that in our day the technology is there I've talked about this with you guys before and some that follow our ministry may have heard this But this is going on. If you're not educated about this, you need to begin to look into it because it's already going on and it's been going on. It's not something new. But there's an arms race among the nations and it started out to create like a super soldier. Technology. Technology to take a soldier and begin to mess with this soldier to do things like this. And maybe somehow they could Um, use nanotechnology or, um, you know, attach things to the physical body or in the body like an AI type of situation. They're even studying if it's possible to implant the brain with certain type of computer chips and kind of be able to access things like the internet, et cetera, and the mind. This is really weird. Very sci-fi, but they're trying to do it. And here's another weird one. They're trying to figure out a way to take some of the The strengths that you see in animals like night vision. And what would it be like to, let me just think about it for a moment, if the technology is there, what would it be like to take a human and be able to enhance his strength times 10 because of animal DNA? What would it be like that that person needs less sleep and also has night vision? Or that their vision could see 100 yards away just like right in front of you? What would it be like if you don't even have to depend on uh, handheld radio systems because there's something implanted in the brain that it just kind of connects everybody like a weird hive (laughs) i mean they're looking at all this and you know at the heart of it you know what's really sad is that people actually think this way in the scientific community think well that i know that some that's never heard this gonna think it sounds crazy this is actually going on You may not believe it, but when you actually look into it, you're going to go, wow, he was right. This is going. People think now that you could take somebody's brain, all their personality and what makes them who they are, and download it into a computer, and then you could take their body is going to age and die, and you can just kind of clone their body while they're young, like clone it again where they're like 20, and then dump their brain back in them. And through that, they could have eternal life. Do you see what it goes back to? You know what Satan is offering people out there? He's offering them the same thing he's always offered people. It's a lie that you can be your own God, you can be your own savior, and you can have immortality apart from God. So we're seeing that in the days to come, I was watching a video that was a while back. This was way before there was COVID, okay? This was a video before COVID. I want everybody to really let that sink in. And some Bible scholars were talking amongst themselves about the days of Noah, and they were saying, you know, somehow it's looking like human DNA is gonna be altered. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe the um, maybe that the mark of the beast, there's more to it than just, just buying and selling, but maybe there's an aspect to it that alters human DNA where they're no longer actually technically a human being, they've been changed. And if you alter human DNA enough where they're no longer technically a human being, do they get to a point that where they're no longer redeemable because Jesus didn't die for some hybrid chimera thing over here. He died for human beings. Think about this. And then the, one of the, those that were there talking said, well, he said something that could happen, This was before COVID. Something that could happen. What if, for example, there was like a worldwide pandemic and the the leaders of nations begin to say to themselves, well, we can begin to offer a solution here, but within the solution is things that could begin to change DNA. And I'm not saying that that is necessarily what's happening right now. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they were asking this question back before there was COVID. And that through that avenue, maybe things could start being tampered with, DNA tampered with. It's interesting. And I'm not saying that that's what's happening for sure, but I am am gonna just ask this question. I'm gonna leave it at this. Does anybody else find it interesting that if we were just reading a book, And we were reading about some other nation, and we were reading in there how there was a plague that hit, but yet it had like a 98% survival rate. Yet the government was forcing on the population a vaccine that didn't even work that well because people still got sick that got it, but they were forcing it on them, even though there was like a 98% survival rate and we were just reading this in a book about another nation. Wouldn't we be wondering, why are they doing that? Just asking a question. Is it all about money? Is it all, Or is there something else there? I'm not saying it's the mark of the beast, and I'm not saying it's tampering with human DNA, because there's people that'll say, I'm saying that. I'm not, so if you say, I am, you're lying. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that eventually things are going to get to a point to where it's going to get weird. And I think that we're we're beginning now to begin to see the emergence of this government control and trying to mess with people like that. It's beginning. All right. Now, let's talk about the occult. If I didn't lose some people already, My wife and I talk about this as we minister and I just want to warn people. Be careful with the occult because it's a door for demonic spirits. So again, this falls back to being like the worldwide structure of what was going on in the days of the Nephilim. It is the fallen, it's like the religion of fallen man to try to be in control, to have power, to have knowledge. And so there's different branches of the occult. Number one is the divination branch, which has to do with information. So any time that you're trying to get information from a source that is not God, it's not sanctioned by the Bible, it's not God. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? But you're trying to get information, supernatural information that there's no way that you could know, and you're trying to ascertain, you're trying to get that, but it's illegitimate. It's not offered to you by God. It's not sanctioned by the Word. It's not from Him. You're getting it from another source. And let me give you examples of this. The, the occult word is scrying, but that basically means reading. And so people that try to read things like palms, tarot cards, crystal balls, runes. And it could be any form of runes, like um, somebody that's maybe a witch doctor, a shaman, may have a little pouch, and they have different bones or something in there, and they'll do their mumbo-jumbo, shake it around, and throw it on the ground, and then they want to read the bones, how they fell, read runes. These things are divination. Even in some cultures you have where you've heard the phrase reading the tea leaves, and what that is is that somebody would drink their tea, and then at the bottom of the cup is still these leaves and grounds of leaves in there, and and at the end of drinking the cup, you know, swung it around and then reading the tea leaves. Now, if you think about it for a minute, listen, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but how stupid is this? But, I mean, people believe in it, man. and, And it's the same thing with coffee grounds in some cultures. They'll drink the coffee down. There's some grounds. If they knew how to make coffee right, like Pastor Scott, there wouldn't be grounds in their coffee. But just saying, there's grounds in their coffee, and they get done with it, and they swirl it around, and then they read the grounds, you see. It's a form of divination. Also, in this, you have divining rods, and probably one of the most common would be what's called water witching. And what this is, is like a stick, and it's kind of like a wishbone that has two handles, and, it's like a, and they'll do an incantation over the stick. okay? And so now, the stick is supposed to guide them to water, because you know, back in, in times before technology, it was hard to find underground water, and it took a lot of work to dig for it. So they wanted to basically find information from an illegitimate source instead of coming together and praying and saying, Lord, would you show us and help us to be successful in finding water and asking God to help them? Instead of doing that, they want to turn to divination, a water witching. And supposedly the stick would begin to vibrate, maybe pull down to the ground and they would dig there and there would be water. Also, pendulums. Some of you have probably seen something like this, where maybe, you know, some people that are in the occult, they lay out a map, and they'll have a string that goes down to some kind of like, something that looks like an arrowhead, it may be metal, it may be crystal. And all of a sudden, that thing will start moving on its own, and it'll point to something. And then they know that was the answer to their request. These things are scrying. They're reading. But it's from demons. Most of the time, it doesn't work. But when it does work, the only reason it works is because of demons giving the information. Everybody say it was demons. Okay. It's, it's nothing else. I, I'll probably get to this. at some, You know, I might as well just go into it real quickly since I'm already on it. It is not dead people. I mean, okay, so when you die, if you're truly born of God and you belong to him, you're washed in the blood of the lamb, you belong to Jesus, the angels are going to come to you. They're going to take you to Jesus to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. If somebody is not right with God and they die, demon spirits are going to grab them and drag them downward into hell. But I'll tell you what don't happen. You're not going to go haunt people. You're not going to go rattle chains in a cemetery and scare teenagers. You're not going to go live in a house and knock on walls, open and shut doors and haunt houses. That's not what you're going to do. So these things that take place in these hauntings and weird stuff, I promise you, it is not people. I get so fed up of hearing these paranormal investigators talk about it like it's people. No, it's not people. It's demon spirits impersonating people. And when these demon spirits pierce through into the realm of the scene, they can look like a little kid. They can look like an old man. They can look like an angry dog. They're called familiars because they're familiar with the place or the people. For example, there was a family. There was tragedy in that home. They're familiar with that. So when they pierce through in that realm, they're going to look like the family members. They're going to maybe have wounds that appear that look like what happened. They're familiars. Why does Satan do this? Because it deceives the masses. And what people do is, and it seems to never fail, instead of handling it biblically, what do they do? They turn to the occult. (laughs) They it make everything worse, man, that now they're going to have a seance and try to talk to the dead person that they've seen wandering the hall of the house. Or they're going to call in the local psychic. It's going to go around doing their sage or smudge burning. and they, You know, it, it's not helping anything even though they think it is. What they need, y'all ready? What they need is people that actually know what they're doing To go in there and spiritually cleanse the house for real under the blood of jesus christ and drive those demons out and i promise you they'll flee at the power of jesus's blood his name they will flee and you can actually cleanse that house all right then you have realms of of divination that have to do with the zodiac See, I believe this was also information that came from those fallen angels to the Nephilim that Nimrod was trying to bring back. And this is the understanding of the heavens, so to speak, from an occult perspective. How many knows that God made the planets and the stars? They're beautiful. But Satan has perverted this thing to try to use it as a divination source. And that is not obviously not the intent. God... God created. It's a holy thing unto him. But Satan has his zodiac and astrological signs. And people start talking about what, you know, time of the year they were born, if they were a Pisces or whatever. Man, don't be talking that stuff around me. I don't believe in any of that garbage. And also, they'll start reading their horoscopes. Derek Prince said there was a particular lady that was uh, like a business lady, sweet, intelligent, um, and they prayed with her, and he said that they she had a, a very powerful spirit that they had to deliver her from, and it was so out of character. Here's this this lady that's so professional and intelligent and a businesswoman, and she's really got a spirit about her that had to be delivered. They get it out of her. You know how that thing came into her? A horoscope and he thought my goodness it was such it's something that seems so minor but she opened a door and let me tell you something here this is important that everybody hear what i'm saying when i'm i'm about to say this it does not matter your intention this is very important that people understand this it does not matter even in the natural, this should make sense to us. You can go down the road here and run three stop signs and go speeding around the corner and a cop pull you over and say, well, I didn't intend to break the law. Is it going to matter? The tickets are coming. And so in the same way, it doesn't matter. Some may say, well, I didn't intend for this. It doesn't make any difference, your intention. Once you open the door, you've opened the door whether you meant to or not. I've heard some goofy stuff about that. Well, it, your intent, the devil doesn't care about your intention. And the devil doesn't care about your free will. God does. God cares about your free will. The devil does not care about your free will. If you open the door to him, he is exactly like a home invasion. If you crack the door, they're going to bust in violently and take over as much as they can. And so people are opening doors. And we're living in a time in America. See, that America was founded on such awesome biblical principles. I mean, our school system back in the 70s, 1800s were just people uh, praying in school. They learned how to read with the Bible. People have respect to God. You know, they just, it was, it was something that was founded on Judeo-biblical principles. Therefore, there wasn't a lot of witchcraft here. But something changed in the 60s. And there were things that were being introduced to our culture, and it began to come in. And now you, you're not going to find too many people that haven't dabbled in the occult anymore. So also be careful going to psychics and clairvoyants. Psychics are people that supposedly hear voices, and clairvoyants are people that supposedly see like a vision. Can you see how this is the counterfeit to Satan? I mean, to God's true prophetic ministry. This is Satan's counterfeit. Also, necromancy. This is a big one. Um, Again, when you die, you're not going to be showing up in people's seances. (laughs) Think about how ridiculous this is. But anyway, people join, they'll go to graveyards or round tables, join hands, and then they start summoning dead Uncle Charlie, dead Aunt Vivian or whatever, you know, and here here they come. And I'm going to tell you, though, this is very dangerous activity because they're summoning demonic spirits. And there's always an individual that's supposedly like a medium, a channeler. And that person, that spirit, supposedly will walk into them by invitation and start speaking through them. And it could be a female that has a male voice and has information about Dead Uncle Charlie, that they shouldn't know. And they think it's dead Uncle Charlie. It's familiars, familiar spirits speaking through a person. Necromancy is very dangerous. And so, also, I believe necromancy very much has its origins in the Nephilim. Because, see, even you can go back and study this, there's researchers that are Christian that's gone to places and they have found tombs where there were once giants that were there in those tombs and it was like a rite of passage that the young men of the you know the village or the people that were there they they knew about this giant and to them those giants were like gods that were worshiped and once they die they would put those giants in a tomb in there and here's what those young men would do is like a rite of passage like a growing into manhood or whatever they would go into these places And they would sleep there at night, and they wanted to absorb the power of that giant. They wanted the spirit of that giant, kind of like Nimrod, you see? They wanted the spirit of that giant to possess them and make them, you know, a strong warrior, a strong hunter or whatever. And they would even try to communicate with them. Necromancy. Are you seeing how necromancy probably has its origins back in the Nephilim here? And even in ancient cultures, that was steeped in the occult, which goes back to the Nephilim. Isn't it interesting? I'm just going to give you a couple quick things to think about. Like the Anakim, the Rephaim, there's different names in the Bible of giant tribes. And the Anakim means like long neck. And so this particular tribe, whenever the fallen angels procreated, they they had some kind of deformity where they had extremely long necks. Isn't it interesting that it seems that these ancient tribes would try to emulate their gods? Have you ever noticed there's some ancient tribes that will do things, like, for example, that add those rings on the neck to try to elongate their neck? I'm just asking this as a question. Back, If you go back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, was this not a way trying to emulate their gods that they worshipped? And they've also found giants that their head was elongated. And you can see that in in ancient tribes, they will cradleboard baby heads trying to form them like that. And also you can see like Egyptian people would wear those hats that look like. I'm just asking, I'm just wondering here, were they trying to emulate their gods that they worship? In the same way, you can see back, You go back to ancient times and you see that there's this attitude there of like worshiping and praying to their ancestors. Could this not go back to the Canaanite tribes that venerated their gods that had died, that they worshiped them, that they went to their tombs, like the day of the dead, if you will, they worship them. They went to their tombs. They wanted to commune with them. And they wanted to possess the power that they had. Is this making sense? So I'm just telling you to stay away from this stuff. And um, also transcendental meditation. I'm going to move quickly now because I need to start closing this out. But transcendental meditation is where somebody maybe will chant something over and over and try to blank out their mind. And let me just warn you that any time that you're willingly blanking out your mind completely like that, whether it be through yoga, meditation, whatever you're trying to do there, maybe stare at a flame, chant something over and over and blank out your mind, or go into some altered state of consciousness through hallucinogenic drugs, or trying in any way to come into that hypnotic state, that you become vulnerable for spirits to come in it's kind of like you're yielding yourself to it and i i would stay away from hypnosis even though some people may like that because people say well what about how you could remember something well don't you think that god could bring that to your mind if you asked him hello why do you have to turn to these things and see it may be it may be with some people somewhat kind of safe but in a lot of times you're you're blanking out your mind and you're kind of yielding there and you need to be careful with that ESP, automatic writing, people are kind of go into trances and they begin to, their arms go all crazy and they begin to write messages or paint things or whatever. <laughs> all right, that's the divination branch. That's just an example. But let me just warn also while I'm on that about Ouija boards. See, if it works, if a Ouija board works, It's an ancient tool of divination. And when people get around and they're asking this thing information, if it does actually begin to move around and begin to spell things out, that is by demonic spirits. And there was a paranormal investigator one time made this statement, and they said that about 75% of the time, problems that begin in a home that really got out of control, and then we ended up going in there. They said, we can trace back. That's what they said. They said, about 75% of the time, we found that somebody was messing around with a Ouija board, and that's how it all started. That's interesting. So stay away from anything that's illegitimate information. Number two is sorcery. So the first branch is information information. It's divination. The second branch is sorcery, and this is the material branch, objects. Objects that are charged, they're charged with supernatural power. There's like a satanic anointing on them. And this could be things, for example, certain types of rods or staffs or statues that people have that are supposed to give them some type of a power. Sandy's family, she was telling me that um, her dad had a statue, and he believed it gave him power. He carried it around, put it by his bed at night. So there's things that people believe in the occult gives them power, okay? And it could be a rod that is supernaturally charged. And this goes back to ancient times. Remember, Moses went in there with his shepherd's rod that God told him to throw on the ground. But what did the sorcerers, the magicians do? These are the witches. They had a satanically charged rod that could imitate that, you see. Also, people that are in the occult sometimes will have jewelry or talismans that they wear that's supposed to bring them some type of luck, power, wealth, or sometimes a sexual prowess. And they really believe it. And if it does work, if it does, it is by demonic spirits that it does work. It's a satanic power about it. And let me just warn you, as fashionable as the world may go in certain directions, be very careful to always honor God with the way you dress. The Bible says to dress modestly, don't wear clothes that are revealing and that are going to be sexually seductive. Um, you're going to draw attention to yourself that ultimately is not going to be good. But secondly, it goes against the Word of God. Also, I would add in there, be very careful when you buy jewelry and different things like that, shirts, etc., that you don't get things that have pentagrams and goat's heads and satanic imagery on it because it can be a source of something coming into your life that's not good. Also, things, this is not as common here, but it is in other countries like Africa, potions and charms and crystals and things like that. Again, that's supposed to bring power, luck, or whatever. And it's interesting as well that the word sorcery, that in the Bible, the word sorcery is pharmakeia. And that's where we get our word pharmacy from. And so another aspect of, of sorcery goes back to drugs, especially hallucinogenic type of drugs. And you can look back and study this alchemy. You can go back and look at ancient Chaldean and Egyptian and even in the Native Americans with the peyote, and there's different types of drugs that were either drank or smoked that would put people in an altered state of conscience where they were more susceptible to the spirit realm. Dangerous. But yet, in our culture, now since the 60s in America, there's an explosion of drugs. And people don't understand. They have no inkling of the fact that their drug use is connected to sorcery and it's opening up to things. And I know a true story. I, I know these people. Back whenever, before I really gave my life to the Lord, I was hanging out with some people and they were involved in drugs, and I was not really at all, actually. I was friends with them, but they were into real drugs. I mean, they, they would uh, hallucinogenic drugs. And they were tripping on some hardcore drugs one night, and this happened in East Texas, and I know these people. And they were sitting there, and this girl had, had shot acid or whatever, and she was looking at this television, the snow on it, and she was sitting there all tripping out like she was, you know. And everybody there saw this happen. She saw it, and they saw it. She screamed because out of the TV walked a demonic spirit that walked right into her. She screamed when it happened, and they saw it. And they didn't know what to do because they're, you know. And so what do they do? They run, and they knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody that knew a preacher. And so they called the preacher. And they said, please come get this demon out of her. Man, we saw it go in. And so he cast the demon out. But here, you know, Here's the thing. People don't realize that they're opening doors. And remember, again, she could have said, well, I had no intention of that happening. It doesn't matter. You open the door and the devil comes in whether you want him to or not. And I'm, I'm concerned in our culture because sexual immorality, sexual sin is a big door for demonic infestation. And you, we've got a culture now that, it, that it, people are so dabbling in various forms of the occult. They're messing around with um, ungodly substances that they're putting in their body. They're, they're uh, doing things that's opening doorways, including marking and cutting up and branding the body. That, that can be a door for these things. And they're opening up doorways for infestation of demonic things in their lives that is hindering them spiritually in a major way, and they don't even realize it. And I wonder, because in the Bible, Revelation 18, 23, it says, by your magic spell, talking about the whore of Babylon, which was a powerful fallen angel entity that that seemed to have influence over the Antichrist worldwide system, over Babylon, It says, by your magic spell, you led the nations astray. But you know what that translates in the Greek? Pharmakeia, pharmacy. And so in other words, it was through some type of drugs. And I wonder, that's the reason why I was asking earlier about some type of um, vaccine or whatever. Look, I'm not saying about this particular one, yay or nay, okay? But I am saying that eventually there's gonna be some type of, the Bible says it, read it for yourself, Revelation 18, 23, read it in the Greek, eventually there's gonna be some type of pharmakeia that's gonna lead the nations astray. Hello? All right, and then the last one I wanna cover real quickly is witchcraft. This is the power branch of the occult. This is where people learn through different types of rituals and ceremonies that can be sexual in nature. It can involve bloodshed, it, different types of ritualistic activity, where they learn how to conjure up and summon evil spirits. They can they try to put spells on people that affect them, for example, like a love spell to make somebody fall in love with them. They, they want to do and listen, this is interesting, too, because Derek Prince pointed this out, and I never really thought about it. He said there was a guy I knew that was in the, the occult. And the guy was telling him, the most powerful thing that I do is an incantation. And Derek said, you know, he said, I didn't really believe anything the guy says anyway, but he said the guy was pretty adamant. And then Derek started thinking about it. See, what people don't even know, thankfully you don't, what an incantation really is. But incantations, a lot of times, will involve like some type of music. That's why in these ancient cultures, You'll see that they're sitting there with these incantation drum beats. And people start getting all worked up and they start chanting and they start dancing and they start going around something like a fire or whatever. That's an incantation, that's a ritual. And this guy was saying, through incantations, that's the most powerful. And Derek said this, you know, he said, it's interesting. The most powerful form of prayer in the Bible, y'all hearing me? is when we mix praise and worship, prayer and intercession, and we're all in unity. And you see there the coming together of worship and prayer together. Incantations is Satan's counterfeit to that. But they learn how to curse people. There's a lot of rabbit trails I could go into, but I need to close this out. But anyway, be careful also for satanic objects. Because in Deuteronomy, it says, do not bring a cursed thing into your dwelling or like it, you will become cursed. In other words, it'll affect you. There's a lot of stories I could tell there that people have brought things into their home that was occult or satanic. And all of a sudden, a lot of negative things started happening because it was a doorway for evil spirits into their home. So be careful with statues that's of other religions, like Hindu gods, Buddhism, uh, oriental type of dolls or dragons. Be careful with certain types of swords. There's nothing wrong with a sword, but if you get into some of those weird ones, like an actual, let me tell you a quick story that's true. I saw this for myself. There was a guy that claimed to have his connections with his, I guess, his ancestry or whatever. He He was oriental. He said that he was associated with the samurai's but he said that he had supernatural power, but he didn't have it in and of himself. But he did have this outfit. It was a black outfit he would wear in a specific sword. He said, if I put that outfit on with that sword, I have power that I normally don't have. Interesting. And so they tested him because they didn't believe him. And this guy, when he put the outfit on, had the sword, they, they shot a gun like a like, you know how a pitcher will, will pitch the ball to a catcher, okay? They shot a bullet straight through. This guy was able to hit the bullet with his sword. Supernatural power. So there are certain things, not obviously not all swords, but there are certain types. Be careful with things like geisha paintings, which are oriental um, pornography and slash um, prostitution. There was a couple that got delivered because they brought some of that stuff into their home, and they started being tormented with all kinds of sexual weird dreams, et cetera. Be careful with things that like pentagrams and themes are like a cult. Listen, if you see an occult store and they've got incense and oils and all these different things, don't buy anything there. Just don't take it home, okay? Because you're going to bring problems into your home. A thames are occult uh, swords. Chalices, occult chalices. Things like goat heads and satanic objects. If you've got Freemasonry materials, get them out of your home. If it's in your family bloodline, you need to really pray about that. Don't have certain Native American materials, okay, like dream catchers and things that are associated with the pagan religion of Native Americans. You don't want that in your home. Um, different things like pornography or horror movies can also be a source of demonic entry into homes. So we're living in a time where there's always been doorways and windows in homes. You know, you need to really, we've got something on our website, fnirevival.com for free that you can download and it's it's like a home cleansing for Christians. You can pray over your home. Everybody that's done that has told me that they notice a major difference in their home after they did it. I've heard that a lot. Um, But without belaboring that point, you need to pray over your home. You need to pray over the entryways. But we're living in a time now where there's entryways through the Internet. So the point of entry into your home, wherever the Internet comes into your home, you need to anoint and really pray over that. And also anything to do with, like, um, television or or different entryways that uh, are technological whatever anoint and pray over those you want you want your home cleansed keep out of it things that are satanic and um i was going to get into this but i don't really have time but just to read it but there's six sins that the bible really warns us about in revelation 21 8 first corinthians 6 9 galatians 5 19 and then proverbs 6 16 through 19 if you just want to read this but in this it says that those that practice these things will not go to heaven when they die, and so it's a very serious warning, and in that you see occult practices, witchcraft, sorcery, idolatry. You also see sexual immorality, which is any sex outside of a husband and wife in marriage, which includes looking with lust, which Jesus said is adultery. Dishonesty, drunkards. That's interesting because I would add in our day, drunkards also being substance abusers, you see. Covetous, these are people that are not content with what they have. They're envying what others have. Also, their greed and grumblers can be connected to covetous, greedy and grumblers. And then finally, murderers. And Jesus said, even if you hate in your heart, you've already committed murder. Now I was reading in 1 John, he said that, These that you know are God's children, he said that they have love one toward another. But he said in 1 John, he said, but if you hate your brother, you're not one of the lords, you see. And so we have to forgive people. But those are six sins the Bible specifically says. Those that live that way as a lifestyle, they will not go to heaven when they die. And one of them is practitioners of the occult. And then there's seven things that God hates. These are very strong words in the Bible here. He hates haughty eyes. Be careful with your eyes that you don't look down on others and you don't always look with criticism. Some people are so critical, they just can't help it. Everywhere they go, that's haughty eyes. Also, the Bible says God hates the lying tongue. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. I I say this in love, but if they don't repent, woe to those that are committing abortions and ripping those babies apart and shedding that innocent blood. Please repent, because your end is not gonna be good when you leave this life. God also says he hates the heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that run into evil, a false witness that pours out lies, and the person that sows discord among brethren. Let's not be people that divide others, pitting people against each other. Let's be people that are peacemakers and unifiers, amen? All right, so Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. Help this to really get in us. Lord, we need to know these things, and it's our responsibility to teach our children these things. Don't leave it to somebody else, as I'm about to finish praying here. Don't leave it to the school system. Don't leave it to your neighbor's kids. Don't leave it to other people they're going to hang out with. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Because that's what a lot of parents do. They won't deal with it. So they learn about things from their neighbor's kids, their friends, that they go and start playing with a Ouija board with, you see. You need, as parents, you need to deliberately make it a point to teach them from the bible about these things. I used to take Brianna when she's growing up and if we walked by some store like, you know, there was a bookshelf had a bunch of stuff, and she'll remember these days, I would grab her and pull her over and say, "Okay, here we go. You see this right here? This is what this is. And this right here this and I would tell her exactly what it was, what they do, how they use it, and what it how it affects them. When people get involved in the occult, it opens a door. It brings a curse on their lives demon spirits can enter them and they start having all kinds of problems. And so I was real blunt about it. And she's very knowledgeable about these things now. So now she can teach her children what to avoid, you see. So Lord, we just thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, let this be established in our lives in Jesus name that we can live for you and serve you faithfully to the end. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's um, just put on some worship for me after you shut all that down.